Welcome to the early signing period. How high can USC's 2023 recruiting class rise in the rankings? Let's talk about it on this episode of Locked On USC. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Holkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are free. And I want to thank everyone for uh, coming along for the ride. Hope you're enjoying the show. We've done a little, a few over 100 of these episodes now. A little pat on the back. If you're watching on YouTube and you haven't done so already, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button. It would mean a whole heck of a lot. And to those of you who have, again, Thank you so much. Always follow me on Twitter at Mark Culkin, M-A-R-C-K-U-L-K-I-N. Malachi Nelson, Makai Lemon, Zachariah Branch. In no particular order, uh, those are three five stars who are anticipated to uh, send in their facts at some point between uh, today, Wednesday, if you're making Locked on USC your first listen, and the end of the early signing period, which is Friday. So you get three days. We've gone over that. That's a heck of a nucleus for a class. Um, and it's going to keep USC and Lincoln Riley's cupboard stocked uh, while Caleb Williams and his existing uh, wide receiver core and team compete for the 2023 playoffs. So we know Malachi Nelson is... Uh, the quarterback of the future for USC and Zachariah Branch and Makai Lemon, two highly acclaimed, highly sought after uh, wide receivers that are going to make USC really good in the future. I've mentioned before, uh, Makai Lemon, he's going to remind everybody of, of Amon Ross St. Brown. Zachariah Branch, is he the next closest thing since Reggie Bush? possible we'll find out he's gonna get the chance coming up really soon like i said that's a heck of a nucleus and you got three five stars there's only four programs in all of college football that have that many five stars uh ready to commit usc's in a rare company right now and usc's not doling out nil money to high school recruits to get those five stars we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the show coming up USC also has a couple of four-star running backs in Quentin Joyner and Amarian Peterson from the state of Texas. Again, offensive, getting that covered, filled back up. And let's not forget the four offensive line recruits um, who were being recruited by some of the some other big-time programs besides USC. That's just on offense. What about the defense? Okay. Well, I told you on yesterday's episode of Locked on USC that, uh, according to WeRC.com's Scott Schrader, he's our recruiting guru that we turn to, St. John Bosco's Mateo Ungulalele is, uh, he's going to pick the Trojans. So, will he be playing defense or offense at USC? I guess that's the question. Uh, I had one expert tell me a while ago that 
Mateo doesn't have a defensive bone in his body. So to that, um, I guess the argument would be, well, if you look pretty good playing defense against modern day in the, uh, in the championship game a few weeks ago. So I guess now the, the question is, you know, when does he pull the trigger uh, this week? Is it going to be uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? We know, according to Mateo, that he wants to be enrolled wherever he's going to choose so he can be in spring camp. Most people think it's down, it's down to uh, USC and Ohio State with Oregon on the outside looking in. Again, the good guys have been uh, crystal balled for the, uh, the five-star from St. John Bosco. Uh, on defense again, USC can add to their 2023 class. Again, how high can they can they get this ranking? Right now, they have the number one class in the Pac-12 for 2023. That's not going to change. And according to On3, they have the 12th ranked national, the, the 12th ranked class nationally. And that's not bad. I mean, seriously, what's the difference between the number 10 and number 12? You know, are you looking at the stars? Are you looking at total number of, of commits? You know, it's such a sub, subjective um, way of looking at things. There's no objectivity to this. So, again, it's, it's, it's a quantity. It's a quality. Obviously, you want both. <laughs> but you, you kind of have to balance it a little bit. So, USC is still looking to add a few more players. You've got uh, the speedster, defensive back from uh, Sarah High School in Gardena, California, Roderick Pleasant. He's made it known that he's going to hold out and wait until the February signing day. USC is also waiting on Deuce Robinson, the five-star tight end from Arizona. He, too, is going to wait until February unless he has a change of heart. So... Um, Knowing USC is number one in the Pac-12, that's not going to change. They're going to maintain that spot, and they're going to um, strengthen that spot uh, through early signing day, as well as um, through the transfer portal, as well as the February signing day. Um, so let's say USC signs all you know 25 guys out of high school. They already have six transfers coming in uh, through the portal, and you could probably expect that number to increase as more players from USC jump into the portal to leave. Call Mobley is the most recent name. Defensive tackle. And so assuming that USC gets Deuce, Mateo, and Roderick Pleasant to close out their, and I'm, figure quotes for those of you who are, who are listening and not watching, the elite name category. How much higher can USC's class climb nationally uh, and again but does it does it really matter what the ranking is as long as they get who they want isn't that really what it comes down to usc's recruiting class is looking really good uh, and again we're going to recap this on the locked on usc's episode tomorrow um following early signing the first day of early signing period but you know again there's been some, I guess, consternation from some Trojan fans thinking, well, USC's not focusing on the defense. They're not focusing enough on offensive line, yada, yada, yada. If you look at their class breakdown, they, they're doing a pretty good job. So let's not get too hung up on the stars. 
yeah, it's fun as a fan to look at. Everyone knows, and if you're not sure by now, I am not a huge fan of the star system. Again, because it's so subjective. To me, the most important thing is not how many stars a player has. To me, the most important thing is which programs are recruiting you. So in other words, if USC is recruiting you and Alabama is recruiting you, you're doing pretty good, even if you only have three stars next to your name. It's all you need to worry about. And I'll prove that point a little further down the road here on this episode of Locked on USC. You can bet on that. It's a really cool story. Speaking of betting, head on over to betonline.net because they are your number one source for all your sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, which I know you do, you can find those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Once again, thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every single day. Make sure to check out Locked on Sports today. They're the biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less. Plus, instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Go check it out. All right. Recruiting, hit or miss? Recruiting has always been known as as a crapshoot. Some guys live up to their rankings. Others peak in high school. Others just have average college careers. And I'm talking, we're talking about the the five stars, the high four stars, the guys that everybody wants. You know, look, USC has a long history of elite recruits, um, high end, you know, everybody wanted these guys uh, that they just didn't pan out for a variety of reasons, whether it was, again, they peaked in, in high school, they didn't develop, they were over overrated. Whatever it was, it, they didn't work out. Injuries, there's just so many variables involved. That's why I hate to use the term bust. Uh, number one, there's no reason to call a high school kid or a young man by the time they leave college a bust. Nobody wants to be called a bust. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, um, here's just a, a sampling of some really big name recruits that not only USC wanted, but Pretty much every program in the country wanted that. Just for whatever reason or another, it they didn't have the success that everyone uh, anticipated. Whitney Lewis, Jason Thomas. Whitney Lewis was a running back, athlete running back from St. Bonnie, St. Bonaventure High School in Ventura County. Jason Thomas um, probably would have been the first Cam Newton. He uh, played quarterback. Uh, he eventually transferred to UNLV, where he moved to tight end. <clears throat> there was Dylan Baxter. Everybody remembers uh, his highlight at USC. Came in the spring game. He eventually transferred to Connecticut. Was never heard from again. DJ Shoemate. Excuse me, Dylan Baxter. I'm not sure where he transferred to. DJ Shoemate uh, transferred to Connecticut. Uh, Dylan Baxter out of San Diego was tabbed the next Reggie Bush. Uh, 
um, had a fantastic spring game for USC, and that was it. Never heard from again. You have a couple of five-star quarterbacks, Aaron Corp, Max Brown. Um, things just didn't work out for them. How about uh, EA, Palaie Gayoteote? Supposed to be the next Ray Mayaluga. That didn't happen. So again, you can go after all the five stars you want, all the big names. It's no guarantee. It is no guarantee. Because even when these guys go to, you know, go to a different program, you know, to kind of change their the scenery for a fresh start, sometimes it still doesn't work out. For again, it, for a variety of reasons. A lot of times these young men, these kids play with undue pressure because they're given these star rankings. And now all of a sudden they have to live up to it. It's hard. It can be difficult. Perfect. Here's a, I, I guess, a perfect anecdote to what we're talking about. The other day, USC picked up through the transfer portal wide receiver Dorian Singer from the University of Arizona. Okay. <clears throat> We all know in 2022 that Dorian Singer led the Pac-12 in receiving all conference. Okay. On yesterday's episode of Locked on USC, I mentioned how lightly he was recruited coming out of high school. I just heard a story uh, from one source who said that he didn't even have an offer coming out of high school from any of the schools in Arizona, not ASU, not U of A, not even Northern Arizona. Up there in I was Flagstaff, uh, he walked on at USC. Now look at him; he looks like a first-round draft pick. I love stories like this. Um, he, what would you rank him now? Where would you rank him? I mean, obviously, he he looks like a four-star if you want to use the star ranking system. How much, so how much higher did he elevate USC's class ranking? You know, it, it's hard for me to picture this young man having to walk, walk on anywhere. Uh, but that just, again, it just goes to show you how much of a crapshoot recruiting is. It's not an exact, excuse me, it's not an exact science. You're, you know, you're projecting how these young men are going to develop, you know, in a year, two, three, four years from now. Some are late bloomers. He's almost like the Clay Matthews of wide receivers. Remember, Clay Matthews walked on at USC. Right. <laughs> so the On3 Network, they put out a, a national story. You got to go check this out. And they were talking about the, the hit, the recruiting hit and miss rate. They used Alabama's 2017 recruiting class. It's considered one of the best ever assembled. Uh, they had eight players who were selected in the first round of the NFL draft, including two quarterbacks, uh, Tua Tagovailoa. I can never pronounce his last name. Tua Tagovailoa, as well as Mac Jones, who's up there in New England. Running back Najee Harris, wide receivers Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy. They had 15 players uh, who signed with an NFL out of that class. Um, 15 players that helped 
Alabama win two national championships as well. However, even that class, they were only successful on 65%, roughly 65% of their class were considered hits. The other 35% are considered misses. And that's the average. That's, and I'll, I'll, I'll tie this up together. But so you think about it, you're, you're, if you have a recruiting class of 25 high school recruits, you're looking to get two out of every three. So 33%, roughly, are going to, you know, not pan out. Now, add in NIL, school collectives, and these got these two entities, um, they're starting to, you know, line the pockets of high school recruits. And I'm not sure how many schools can afford uh, to achieve a 60 to 65% hit rate in today's world with NIL and collectives. Texas A&M, Miami, they're giving away money hand over fist to high school recruits. I mean, I'm going to give you a, a, an example of this here in a, in a second. And you're going to see a lot of these recruits um, in the transfer portal over the next couple of years. The, the, especially if this hit-miss rate is accurate. John Ruiz, if you don't know that name, he is a billionaire booster in Miami. He loves his Hurricanes. He's he's like he's referred to as the mayor of Miami. Um, he's got a couple of companies, Life Wallet and Cigarette Racing, uh, ma- major funders of NIL. Over the last year and a half, um, he alone, his companies have spent ten million dollars in deals and partnerships with athletes, and almost all of it on the football players at Miami University. So. For all the cash he's put into those deals, Ruiz said, while yes, he wants to see Mario Cristobal, Miami's head coach, win games, he said his return on investment is not dependent on a recruiting class's hit rate. His return on investment is the attention he has brought to his two companies. Quote, the problem with the way people think about NIL is just winning and losing, he said. That's not the way we see it. Obviously, when you win, it's just great for the team. I know NIL, especially even if the team is winning, the product is not team-specific. It's player-specific, end quote. That went, so one veteran assistant football coach said, quote, if I'm spending $10 million on high school kids, that means I'm wasting, what, $5 million on failed investments? That's championship football if I'm able to get 50% from high school recruits. But that's still, but that still means that 60% of my investment is all for naught. If you do that in business, you're going to be filing for bankruptcy <laughs> within a year or two, end quote. And he's right. This is what it's come down to. NIL, collectives, it wasn't intended um, for high school recruits. It was intended to reward players who are already in college, who have proven themselves. Um, I'm not sure where this is going to go, but it it doesn't feel like it's going in a good direction because it's just you're going to have the haves and the have-nots. 
You have schools that can afford to do this, but for how long? Again, USC is their focus on on NIL and the collectives is to reward college players who have put in the time and the investment, making it worth their while to make USC a championship team. Talked about how Ryan Day at Ohio State says he needs $13.5 million every year to keep his roster at a championship level. Well, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. It's what it is. But I don't think we're talking about investing $10 million in high school recruits because you don't know if they're going to pan out. We know that for a fact. History doesn't lie. It's you can you, every program has their their misses, including Alabama, LSU, Ohio State. I went over just a handful of names at USC. So, <laughs> recruiting—that's what we've got coming on on. On Wednesday, it's the first day of early signing period. However, uh, we've got some USC news and notes to talk about for the guys who are already in college. I would say respect from your peers is the highest compliment afforded to anybody. When somebody in your group votes you like team captain or says you're the best, um, You can't get uh, complimented any higher because those are the guys you're competing against. So Tuli Tuiapolotu and Andrew Voorhees were voted the Pac-12's Morris Trophy winners. That's given to the the top offensive and defensive linemen in the conference. And that award is voted on by the players in the conference. So all those offensive linemen that tried to defend Tuli They said, that guy was the best in the Pac-12. Give him the Morris Trophy. Flip side, nobody wanted on defense wanted to try and penetrate against Andrew Voorhees. You weren't going to win that battle. It took Andrew getting hurt to win the battle. And Nick Figueroa, first team, all academic. Can never go wrong with Nick Figueroa. One of the most, you know, uh, one of the most mature guys on the team, well thought out, productive, just a good dude. Um, again, another overachiever. Started off at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, transferred over to USC, and just continued to get better and was a very productive player. I mentioned uh, earlier on the show that uh, defensive tackle Colin Mobley entered the transfer portal. Uh, he... You know, he played in 2021. He was one of Vic Sooto's coach of violence. Um, one of the first offers that Coach Sooto made when he arrived at USC to be USC's defensive line coach. Colin, he played in 2021. Uh, he was dealing with some injuries heading into 2022, and he just he never got saw the field. And I just don't think he was in the staff's future plan. So, again, in the transfer portal, we hope the best for, for Colin. And uh, we'll see what happens. You can anticipate more players leaving USC. Uh, That's just the way it is in today's college football. You know what else happened uh, on Tuesday? The uh, 
2023 schedule was released. The dates weren't released, but we know who USC will be playing. And they have seven home games again. Let's go over the schedule real quick here. So the seven home games, San Jose State win, Nevada win, and then you're going to have Arizona, Stanford, UCLA, Utah, and Washington. Again, I don't know in what um, how those games will be played in as far as at home, where they'll line up. Typically, Stanford is always that first Pac-12 game. So let's assume Stanford is USC's first home game in the Pac-12. We know they're playing San Jose State and Nevada. Um, could their first three games be at home again to open the season? That'd be great. Um, Stanford's got a new coaching staff. They're starting all over. That's going to be a win. Arizona, they're going to be better, but it's, it should still be a win, games in L.A. Again, we, USC so far uh, has pulled three from their minor league affiliate down there in Tucson. Kion Bars, uh, Christian Roland Wallace at cornerback, and the aforementioned Dorian Singer wide receiver. <clears throat> Again, they will be better, but the game is in L.A. and not Tucson. UCLA will be at the Coliseum. They're going to have a new quarterback unless uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson can squeeze out another year. I, I, there's going to they're going to drop off from their the success they had in 2022. Um, but again, Chip Kelly he might have another trick up his sleeve. He's he's figured out how to use that transfer portal. We'll see what he can do. Utah, uh, no Cam Rising, and again, game is in L.A. Utah's just a different team away from Rice Eccles. We saw it again in Las Vegas, then Caleb Williams got hurt. Anyways, and as well, the final seventh game at home, USC will be playing UW, Washington. Their quarterback is returning Michael Penix. And so that game is going to be tougher than if, let's say, they were playing Wazoo. You're trading out uh, Oregon State and Washington State for Washington and Oregon. Oregon was going to be on the road. They're one of the five road games for USC, including Notre Dame, ASU, Cal, and Colorado. So let's take a quick look at the five away games. Notre Dame, they're going to be playing with a new quarterback because their quarterback that played against USC, Drew Pine, is transferring to ASU. I'm not sure what to expect from Notre Dame next year. Um, I, as you know, when USC plays in South Bend, that game is in October. So, new quarterback, USC should have the, an advantage. But again, when you're playing in South Bend, the game is always interesting. I mentioned ASU, new co head coach and staff. You've got Oregon's former offensive coordinator, Kel, um, Dilling, was it Kevin Dillingham, is now the head coach down there in Tempe. So I don't know what, what to anticipate from, from that program. It's kind of, uh, we've got players coming and going, you know, there's sanctions looming. It should be a win for USC, even on, you know, even if they're playing in Tempe. Uh, Cal will be on the road in Berkeley. It's Cal, enough said. Oregon, okay. Uh, Bo Nix is returning to play quarterback. So I think this is his seventh year in college. Um, but they're the Arizona State of the North. It, there's no more divisions. But of the North 
part of the Pac-12. They're dealing with a lot of defections right now, players leaving both sides of the ball. I'm not sure what the confidence level is in uh, in Dan Lanning or the staff he's trying to keep together, put together. And then you've got Colorado. Okay, They're going to be better only because Deion Sanders, um, he's going to recruit like a mother. He is going to recruit better players than Colorado has in the last couple of years. But is he ready to step up from Jackson State to the Pac-12? We know he can motivate. Can he coach? Is, is he an X's and O's guys, or is he surrounding himself with a good staff? We'll find out. They're going to be better. You could know that. Um, and I mentioned trading Washington State and Oregon State for Oregon and Washington on paper. That's just it's it's more daunting. Um, playing at Notre Dame is always interesting. I said that already. So how is the Pac-12 going to schedule USC? Is, are they going to are they going to make the schedule as favorable as it was in 2022? Are they going to have USC playing in Colorado late in the year, hoping that uh, the cold weather could be a factor? USC at Oregon in November? Who knows? Uh, so what are they? What, I, I, if you look at the schedule, I'd say there's what? Maybe four games to put in the worried category. It's a pretty manageable schedule, especially when you consider who has USC, who USC has returning on their roster and who they are bringing in through the, through the transfer portal as well as recruiting. So there you go. That's it for the this episode. Um, we're going to do a recap of the first day of early signing period on our next episode of Locked on USC. I will be out there at the Jerry Colangelo Classic watching the uh, basketball team take on Oklahoma State. Hopefully, Trace Ford will have made his uh, news that he's committing to USC, Oklahoma State defensive end that USC is after. So until the next episode of Locked on USC, everyone, you guys know what to do, right? Right?